They may not have seen it all, but they've experienced. Fourth and 26. Stinks in a trash. AI's crossover. Throwing batteries at J.D. Drew. Brad Lidge hugging Carlos Ruiz. The Legion of Doom. And thousands of wins and losses over three decades of fandom. Talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Here are your hosts, Joe O'Donnell and John Mita. What is up? What is up? SoundCloud, iTunes, what's shaking? It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. If you don't know, now you know. Johnny Mita, how are you, brother? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. This is what the midnight studio version in <laughs> Iowa, as, as Joe broke in. To, to air this very podcast. That's so right. Everybody, everybody's in for a big treat. Tonight. I hope this is a good one because it's nearing midnight uh, Eastern time. And uh, yeah. I literally had to call one of the other studios here and be like, pray to pray to the football God. Somebody answered. And then I was yeah. like, hey, I'm locked out. <laughs> but here we are. Here we are. Hey, I, I think I know where we should start. All right. You want to take a gander? Nah. You, you you started off. Jeff. I'll start I'll it off. It. How about the 7-1 and one Philadelphia Eagles? They, Whoa. They pound the 49ers, 33-10. So bad that the Niners had to go for a, tra- a trade for a quarterback about three days later. Because uh, no offense to Iowa product, Iowa Hawkeye C.J. Beathard, but he was running scared on Sunday at the link. You were there, my friend, 33-10 the final. Uh, 33 to 10, the final. The Birds are 7 to 1. They stay atop the entire National Football League. Feels good to say that. Halfway through the regular season, Denver looming on Sunday at the link, then the bye, then in Dallas, Sunday night football. Huge three weeks, including the bye, to hopefully get some rest. Tell me what you thought of the game Sunday. Well, you know, the offense came out with a real sluggish start. Um, when putting points on the board, they just look out of sync. But the defense did their job. And like they've been doing all season long, they were getting it done. And just the pressure from the defensive line was immense. And you got to give the secondary big kudos, especially Jalen Mills making a big pick six at the end of the half to kind of put some separation. And then from that point on, man, they just rolled away. So, so is that is that just, the same Jalen Mills that I predicted was going to be a Pro Bowler this year? Is that is that him? Yeah, well, he's certainly working his way towards that feat. There's no question about it. He will definitely be in the discussion as long as he plays the way that he's playing at so far at the level that he's playing at this year. And uh, it's nice to see the defensive line. Yeah. Vinny Curry making some plays. It's just they had some injuries. You were worried about Hicks in the middle. But one thing that does you get a little scared about is when Joe Walker has to start covering people. Yeah. He looks <laughs> in lost. The, in the secondary, yeah. It, it's not – he looks, yeah, he does look a little lost. So, but Kendricks was playing out of his mind. That's nice to see. And it, it's just in all facets of the game, man. The one thing that I love about this team is they just really like playing with one another. Yep. They have each other's backs. They just, and they generally, you know, on and off the field, it, it, it seems that like there's just such a, you know, they have such great relationships with one another that they don't want to let the other down, the other one down. And, I just think that's that's what's going to carry this football team late if they make a huge run here. And right now, the way Vegas is rolling it out there, man, the Eagles 
are not only the favorites to win the NFC, but they're they're the favorites, one of the favorites to get to the to the big shebang. So we'll see. But all in all, it was a good effort. Um, Carson, the offense looked, you know, not great at times. But Alshon Jeffrey made a huge catch, which was nice to see that they're finally getting some chemistry. He's he's faithful and throwing up like a 50-50 ball to him. And uh, yeah, that's what I saw. And as long as uh, Jake Elliott doesn't have to kick extra points and he all he needs is 50-yard field goals, yeah. we're good to go. It was a clean game, I, I, especially considering all the penalties the Eagles had taken the last couple of weeks. It was nice to see kind of a clean oh, game, um, a game without a lot of injuries for the most part. And boy, how good does not trading Michael Kendricks look right now with the loss of Hicks, uh, how well Bradham's played, and the fact that Kendricks now kind of on a second lease with the Eagles has really played some good football. Give me some game balls from the win. Yeah, game balls. Whew. Um, yeah, you said it. Michael Kendricks. I mean, week in and week out, man, he's really – you're right. I mean, thank God we have him back in the fold, and he's doing a hell of a job, especially after the Hicks injury. So he would get one. And then on the offensive side of things, man, you got to – again, Zach Ertz has been unbelievable this year. And I don't know if you remember me calling this. I was hoping this would be his breakout year. But yep. – uh, Gets, gets a touchdown, throws a trail in the end zone, he's all fired up. But uh, he's just been such a constant, reliable, you know, outlet for Carson. And the biggest improvement I see with Zach Ertz is he's become a total red zone threat. Whereas years past, that did not exist for him. Yep. But now he's starting to get open all the time in the red zone. And it's, uh, my gosh, who knows where we're going to go from here. But I would say Zach Ertz and Kendricks would be my game ball. I'm going to give a game ball to Jalen Mills, who we touched on with that pick six. Boy, he did a great job weaving through traffic there on that return. Uh, so on the defensive side, I'd like to give Jalen Mills a game ball. And offensively, I'm actually going to give it to my boy, Doug Poopy Peterson. Because wow. as you touched on, the Eagles were a little sluggish. They had that long layoff from the Thursday night game. You're playing a team that's basically in dead last in the league. Um, you know, you could almost see it coming that it might be one of those just grind it out early because it's the NFL and as, and as little talent in some spots the 49ers might have, they have some good players. They've got a young head coach. They're trying to build that culture. They haven't won an East Coast game since like 1946. So they're going to come out a little fired up, kept the Eagles in check for a while. But I really felt like, and the broadcasters touched on the game. I know you were at the game, John Mita, so probably didn't get the pleasure of listening to Kenny Albert and company. But uh, they talked about the way the Eagles decided with the running game not really working to go to some short passes. And that seemed when the Eagles made that adjustment, right? It's, you know, you're getting a late in the second quarter. You're in a dogfight against a team without a win. You, you maybe want to change things up. They did that. They scored before the half. They had the pick six. Then they come out in the second half, and you kind of double down there, that New England Patriots special where you're able to, to move the ball then to start the third quarter and chew up some clock. So I feel like the Eagles did some good things, maybe not running the ball like we would have liked early, but the short passing game to get them into a rhythm there late in the second half. And I got to give Doug Peterson some credit. It seemed like he made an adjustment on the fly. I don't know if that's coming from John DeFilippo, uh, if that's coming from Carson Wentz, if that's Frank Reich, who made that call. But at the end of the day, you know, you got to give credit to the head coach. You mentioned these guys seem to like playing for each other, and it's 7-1 and one. as much as he had some early season hiccups, in my opinion, Doug Peterson is settling in as a head coach right now for this football team. Seems to be working. Yeah. You might you might well, never hear me th- say those things again, so you better write them down. <laughs> Jot them down, uh-huh. save it, download this podcast. 
Um, you got it. All right, Denver's coming to town. Broncos making a quarterback Ooh. switch. Brock Osweiler once departed, dispatched, is back. He's going to start. Trevor Simeon stinks. They finally figured that out. Paxton Lynch is hurt. And the Denver Broncos with the number one defense in the NFL, despite a subpar record, coming to Philadelphia. Now, I'll say this. You got two things working against you if you're the Denver Broncos. One, it's a short week. They just lost on Monday night. And I do put stock into that. I know in today's sports science and recovery, guys get, you know, this maybe is in the 90s where a short week crushed you. But I still think a short week is tougher for them and the quarterback switch. So you've got two things that Denver's got to overcome early. And for the Eagles, 4-0 at home. Can they keep it rolling? Denver hasn't won a game on the road this year. But the tough thing for the Eagles would be, what, what tape are you looking at of Brock Osweiler? Because he doesn't have any this year. So are you going back to to previous, you know, the Texans tape, other Broncos tape of him. So some we'll see how Bradham does with the, you know, the earpiece this week. Again, week two with him kind of being the signal caller on defense, some of those checks, and how they can hopefully slow down the Broncos, who haven't really gotten things going offensively. But again, with them having a short week, but the quarterback change, kind of an interesting dynamic there, in my opinion. If the Eagles shut down CJ Anderson early in this game, force Osweiler to be one-dimensional. With the way the Eagles' defensive front's playing, you have to like the Birds' chance in, uh, chances in this game, pending they don't just cough it up and turn it over to a very aggressive Denver defense. Yeah, you bring up a lot of good points, Joe. Um, I, I agree with you. The short week, they also played a division a division rival. Yep. So that was one of those nasty physical games. Then they have to travel across the country. Um, the quarterback switch, God, I wish we could have seen Trevor Simeon this week. <laughs> yeah. He looked so bad just throwing balls into the defender's arms. That would have been awesome. But I think I look at this too. It's, um, you know, I think our defense is going to be a big story in this football game because there's one thing Brock Osweiler, he's not a guy, if you pressure him and rattle him, he will turn the football over. Our run defense has been stellar, and it seems that Denver's kind of gotten a lot away from the run. Uh, it looks like they'll probably get Emmanuel Sanders back. He's one of their better wide receivers, which they didn't have against Kansas City, so that's something to look at. But I think this is going to be a great test for the offense, okay? This is one of the best defenses that you're going to face all year, probably Denver, and the second best one's probably going to be Seattle a couple weeks down the road from here. So it'll be interesting to see how, how the offense handles this game. It's also going to be interesting to see how the play calling goes. Um, as you know, the Eagles made a big trade on the deadline. We didn't really get into that yet, yeah. but – are they, are they going to be committed to the run? Are they be, because Denver, just like the Eagles defense, they're top three in rush defense. And then we all know about their great secondary with Chris Harris Jr., Keith Tlaib, uh, Darren Stewart, or other safety. So they, they have a really solid secondary. They have good linebackers. I mean, all, all, all across the board, they have a great defense. So if the Eagles are able to put up, let's just say, 30 points in this game, I think that's a huge statement. Yep. If they're able to do that on one of the best defenses in the NFL, there's going to be no stop in this freight train. So those are a couple of things I'll be looking forward to in this upcoming matchup on Sunday. Broncos only averaging 18 points a game, but again, that was with Simeon at the helm. I think they're expected to get Emmanuel Sanders back for this game as well. He's missed the last couple, so yep. that's a big boost for them. Uh, one more guy the Eagles certainly have to keep their eyes on. Now, it was an ankle injury for Sanders is my understanding. So we'll see if he's sure. at top-notch ability come Sunday at the link. Um, going into the bye, you never want to look ahead, but you've got Dallas there after the bye. 
for this Eagles team, man, this is a huge game because if you go 8-1 into the bye, I don't want to say the NFC East is over because Dallas is still only a couple of games back, but boy, do you put yourself in a good spot. You don't have to worry going into your bye week. You don't have to really yeah. have all the pressure of that Sunday night game in Dallas coming out of the bye. You go in 8-1, and, and, and even if you lose in Dallas after the bye, you're still leading the division by at least the game, and that is with you know six weeks to go. You can't put yourself in a better spot than that. Yeah, well, and right now, you know, across the league, you know, I have a thing to mention, you know, especially for Eagles fans, is the fact that Ezekiel Elliott's suspension has now been kind of upheld by the court system. So it looks like the Birds not won't be facing him in a couple of weeks, and, and that just depletes their team immensely. Yeah, it changes a lot uh, for the saying, Cowgirls, yep. Yeah, no doubt. So... Not that we wouldn't want to play him and just embarrass him as well, but um, <laughs> let's get but to the yeah. trade, man. Let's let's talk about it. Uh, you you and yeah. I were talking earlier in the week about a podcast, and, yeah. you, and you knew the deadline was coming. You were talking about dream trades for the Eagles to put them over the top this year. I don't think either right. of us saw this coming. Fourth round pick to the Dolphins uh, <laughs> nah. for for the J train. Jay Ajayi, yeah. uh, and he's a big running back. I, I don't like the fact he's wearing number thirty six. That was going to be my rant, but I know we're going to ditch the rant because we're trying to crush through this thing. I hate yeah. the fact he's going to wear Westbrook's number for whatever reason. Call me petty, but uh, yeah. what do you think of the new the new workhorse possibly in addition to Legarrette Blunt in the backfield? Another big guy who apparently pass blocks pretty well. You have to scratch your head as why Miami moved on. Is it the bulky knee that I read some reports on? Was he really a bad locker room guy? Like, of course, when anybody gets shipped out, there's going to be some skeletons come out of the closet. But what'd you make of the trade? Tuesday morning, I thought I was Adam Schefter. My phone is blowing up to pieces. All your <laughs> da ding, da ding, da ding. Text message after text message. And I'm thinking, all right, we traded for an offensive tackle or something prolific like getting Calvin Johnson out of retirement. <laughs> and it turns out that we trade for a running back, which I heard an Eagles insider named Shield Kapati. I forget. I think he covers the Eagles for Yeah, he's working for the Athletic now, yeah. Former yeah, uh, former so, Inquirer beat writer. Right, exactly. And then he spent some time out in Seattle. You know, he said that they were going to be in the market for possibly a veteran running back. And this is a talented guy. He's got all the tools to be an every down back. You know, he brings a little power, brings a little finesse, quickness. You know, he can hit the home run. He can hit the – you know, there are some questions. When a team just jettisons a 24-year-old running back, you know, that should send up some red flags. But a lot of times – the other thing we got to look at it this way is you got to take it into the fact that sometimes people just need to change the scenery. And maybe this change of scenery for him, you know, re- resurges him to get back to that Pro Bowl level that, he's been, that he played at last year. And I just think there's so many great leaders on this football team. I think whatever things, negativity or something's going to bring to the table, I think it's going to get squashed very early. And it's kind of fun to go to work every day when you're winning. And yeah, there's that, that vibe and that culture. Well, listen, I think it's a great trade because at some point here, let's face it, you know, LeGarrette Blunt, he's a little old in the tooth. He's not really going to be your franchise back for the next five years. This kid's like 24 years old. He still has a couple of years left on his deal. And the way that things are rolling with the Eagles, it's not like they're going to have like a top – you know, 15 draft pick right. to maybe try to address the running back. And if you look at their draft needs, it's going to be offensive lineman, a.k.a. left tackle most likely. And then you also got to look at the depth that linebacker moving forward in the draft and running back, which can be a position. But since you address that with this trade moving forward, 
that's just something you have to mark off the box. And to get this guy for a fourth rounder, that's another special deal. I mean, maybe maybe there's something that we don't know, but I, all in all, I like the trade. We'll see how it works out. I do like the fact that he is a better pass blocker when it comes to picking up the blitz. I think that's huge because if you look at the Eagles running backs, when it comes to picking up the blitz, none of them are MIA. Yeah, do you know who the best running back? Who was the best pass blocker? Yeah, I do. His name's Darren Sproles, and he's on IR. One hundred percent, absolutely correct. So, all right. Well, the trade is executed. He's been practicing. What do you expect from him? Quickly, sixty seconds. What do you think you get from the J train Sunday? Does he dress? Does he play? Does he contribute? Does he stand on the sideline? What are you thinking? No, he's playing. He'll get a couple. I say he gets five carries on Sunday for forty yards. Wow, you think he goes off, huh? Eight a yards to carry. I think he's going to run aggressive. pretty angry. So you think? He, it's very aggressive. <laughs> so you think he it's very basically he gets a series or two, probably. Yeah, you know, probably. as the feature yeah. back. Exactly. Hey, sorry, Wendell no, no. Smallwood. Don't let the door hit you on the you know what on the way out, brother. Yeah, yeah. Because Clement, uh, Clement got he, Clement was featured more Sunday in the win over the Niners. That didn't you know that doesn't mean that they wouldn't go back to Smallwood and feature him this week, yeah. but. If you got to give Blunt the ball, you know, at least 10 times, and now you've got uh, Ajayi in there, and, and then you've got, you know, Smallwood and Clement. Now all of a sudden, Kenyon Barnett's crowded running back room. Uh, so we'll see how it all sorts out next couple of weeks. Eagles win 42-6 to this Sunday. Osweiler's legs fall off in the first quarter. All right, Gabe Kapler, hired as the Phillies manager, director of player development for the Dodgers the last three years. He's young. He's deep into this analytic rise across Major League Baseball and really all sports. He's supposed to be energetic, a fitness nut. He's got all these tattoos. The ladies are going to love him. I I don't know what else to make of him other than the fact that uh, they're getting younger and they're going to go in a more analytical direction. And I think, you know, this is probably a move, looking back now over the last 48, 48 hours, it's probably a move this Phillies organization needed to make, meaning get younger with the manager, Give him an opportunity. He's supposed to be energetic, aggressive, but that analytic side again where maybe some of his moves will literally be by the book or by the numbers. This one came out of left field, man. If all, if all the coaching candidates we kind of talk about, yeah, I mean, this was a total surprise. The one thing I will say, the guy has an extensive background in a lot of areas, which is good, right? So he's been a former player. Um, he only coached one year, but he coached, you know, the Boston Red Sox, I guess their single A team for a year. Um, he spent some time in the Dodgers front office. So he's a well-rounded guy. Now, the question is, you know, how can he motivate players? How can he get the best out of everybody? And the only thing that kind of worries for me or a red flag is, is he going to be so damn serious and so crazy that he'll just piss players off. But we'll see. I do like the fact that they did go outside the box on this one. They didn't hire anybody from within, but they've been doing that for the last whatever and, you know, since Charlie Manuel, I mean, well, that was probably, I guess, their last out of the box hire when they when they grabbed him. But, um, yeah, I'm optimistic. We'll see. He's got, a, he's got a nice youth movement on this team, and we'll see how they respond to him. But, uh, you know, from his press conference, I don't know if you saw any of it, Joe, but he, he wants to get the Phillies back to the World Blanking Series or win another blanking title. So, you know, he definitely brings some fire that I think the Philadelphia fan base is going to love for sure. Speaking of the World Series, Houston Astros get their first championship yeah, in franchise history. For those of you that don't know, the time I spent in Houston about 
you know, it's been f- almost five years since I was there, but I was there for five years. And in that five-year span, they were regular 90-plus 100-game losers. Uh, so Phillies fans, if you didn't know, take some solace in the fact it can get turned around quickly. Now, they drafted well with their first overall picks, their second overall pick. In fact, they even missed on one. Mark Apple, uh, Appel, however the hell you pronounce it, that, that collegiate pitcher, he was a number one overall pick. He was part of the Ken Giles trade. Uh, yeah. And the Phillies got him, and you know he's been bouncing around their minor league system the last season or whatever. So um, they even missed on one of their number one overall picks, but they hit home runs on Correa. Uh, this Bregman kid was the number two overall pick. And obviously they had Springer, they had Jose Altuve, who even at the time when they were losing 100 games, I went to a bunch of Astros games, mostly against the Phillies, but other ones, you know, occasionally as well. And Altuve brought it every single night. He was hitting 300, he was stealing bases, he played gold glove second base, and they were losing 110 games. That says something about a player. He is the catalyst of that team. Um, And so... Congrats to Houston. Got a lot of people down there that yeah. I know are pumped. How about Sports Illustrated prediction? Yeah, that's huh? crazy. Three oh, years ago. That's, yeah, it's pretty wild. Insanity. Pretty All right, cool. let's. Uh, I don't have the romantic music fired up. My bad, but we're trying to rip through this huh. thing uh, here on SoundCloud.com and iTunes, the Brotherly Love Podcast. Joe Donald, John Mita. Spread the love, brother. What do you got? Spread the love. Well, I just want to spread the love to uh, my friends and family that were able to attend my uh, marriage ceremony, which was totally spur of the moment. Uh, Tuesday, Tuesday early evening, I was able to get married to my beautiful bride, Shauna Harrington, and uh, now she, she will become Shauna Mita. But I give a big shout-out to all the people that, that were there. So had a couple people. It was a very small, quick ceremony, but for putting a wedding together in two hours in the living room <laughs> of the privacy in my own home, it... Uh, worked out well so thanks to everyone that attended and thanks for all the people that made it possible including the great judge robert verdano and yes my good friend keith anderson who was part of the wedding party he was there as well and so keith i hope you're happy now that you finally made it to to the brotherly love podcast Uh, he was giving us some crap recently that he hadn't gotten a shout out yeah so now he gets a shot good time for that good time for that Congrats, yeah. my friend. Really happy for you guys. Um, I know. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. I know it kind of had to happen spur of the moment because there's a lot of circumstances uh, with your crazy world that you call uh, that you call home. So, congrats. Yeah. Um, as I told you, man, you're happy. We're all happy for you. Right on. Appreciate. I don't even feel like I should go now after this. <laughs> Sorry, I mean, buddy. It just, pal- you it just pales in comparison. All right. Well, it's actually, so I, instead of the romantic music, I went with Here Comes the Bride. So at least we got uh, okay. that going. Um, all right. Lastly, my yeah. spread the love. Uh, sure. I'm spreading the love to Daryl Wallace Jr., who earlier, uh, maybe about a week or so ago, was announced that uh, they call him Bubba. That Bubba Wallace will be the NASCAR Cup Series, first full-time African-American driver since NASCAR Hall of Famer member Wendell Scott raced back in 1971. So for a sport that doesn't get a lot of play in my world, but certainly does out here in the Midwest, congrats to Bubba Wallace Jr., Daryl Wallace Jr., they call him Bubba. He will be the first African-American NASCAR Cup Series driver. He joins Richard Petty Motorsports, first full-time African-American driver in like 40 plus years so it's about damn time that i hate to say the color barrier was broken in race car driving 
Um, I'm sure it won't be easy for him. Like, I'd hate to stereotype NASCAR fans too much, but let's be honest. Their demographic is usually white, and, you know, we could stereotype from there. So, hopefully, Bubba Wallace gets a fair shake and gets an opportunity to do great things in the world of NASCAR, being an Afri- uh, African-American race car driver in today's age. Um, kind of right. shocking, but uh, I saw that across the, the ticker right. a couple weeks ago and thought it was a perfect spread to love. Again, pales in comparison oh. to you, my friend. But oh. uh, certainly good to see the sports world growing in diversity. No doubt. No All right, doubt. brother. Um, always a pleasure. I'll kill the Here Comes the Bride music. And uh, tell you, <laughs> love you as always. You're the best. Thanks, and, brother. Uh, no, man. We're, near, we're, yeah, nearing a, we're nearing 100 episodes, my friend. Looking forward to... Uh, you know, we cracked, cracked 5,000 plus. We are uh, uh, listens on SoundCloud. iTunes is killing it. So we appreciate all love and support out there from our peeps. Uh, really a pleasure to, to bring you guys our passion for Philly sports on a regular basis. Uh, Johnny Mita, well, any final thoughts? Final thoughts is, you know, let's get to the bye at 8-1, and one, man. You know, that's the final thought. Another impressive performance out of our defense. I'll give a quick prediction. I like the Eagles in this game. 31 to 9. 31 to what? 9. All three, three field, field goals. goals? Who's kicking? Jason Elam? Nah, the former <laughs> Temple Temple grad, Brandon McMahon, ah, carrying the white. Little ah, yeah. Dropping uh, a little Temple. Ah, yeah. ah, they beat Navy tonight. I was on the wrong side of that one. <laughs> yeah. All right, brother. Always a pleasure. Uh, we'll probably get you back with it. you after the bye week. Go birds. Go birds. Fly, eagles, fly. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. For John Mead, I'm Joe O'Donnell. Till next time, we'll see Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com. 